I want to preach this morning from the series, Can You Relate? Can You Relate? And I want to talk about a man named Jonathan. And I want to title this sermon this morning, Jonathan's Covenant. Jonathan's Covenant. Now, you know, we, we think about covenant and maybe we think, now what exactly is a covenant? Maybe we have some ideas of what a covenant is. And at some level throughout our entirety of our lives, we've entered into covenants of, of sort. I and mean, maybe some of them not as serious as others and some of them more loosely than others, and of course, we'll end the sermon today talking about the greatest and the most significant, the most powerful of all covenants, the covenant of, that Christ has made with you and with me for our salvation under the new covenant in the New Testament, which really means covenant. But as kids, maybe you made a pinky promise. Have you ever made a pinky promise with, with somebody, or sometimes Aaliyah will look at me with that sad face and Wants me to take her to, that, that girl loves to go to that little store called Claire's at the mall. And we start at one end of Claire's. And it's not a big store if you've ever seen it. But boy, you can, I'll say waste, she would say spend some time in that store. And we go from, and she goes all the way around. Sometimes she works her way around a couple of times. But sometimes she's looked at me with that pitiful face and wants you to take her somewhere or do something. And, and then she might say, pinky promise, pinky promise. Have you ever pinky promised? So as kids, I remember this morning as I was getting ready, I thought about um, Opie from the Andy Griffith show. And, and one time he had a little secret club. Do you remember they had their little secret club and they had their little oaths and they had made commitments to each other. Now that one didn't work out too well because one of the boys burnt the barn down where they were, do you remember that, where they were meeting. So that, that wasn't the best of, uh, of things there for their little, their little covenant group. But then after from childhood, you go maybe into the teenage years and, and we start entering into agreements or contracts or covenants, if you will, like driver's license. I have a 17-year-old a son who about a year ago got his driver's license. And boy, life changes when you get a driver's license. Emily's had hers for a few years now and she loves to run errands for her for her parents now that she has that, right, Emily? But driver's license, or maybe as, as teenagers, fishing licenses, and it's an agreement that you're allowed to fish, or a hunting license, you're in contract, you can do that for a period of time. These are all kind of loose covenants, if you will, not at the level we're going to look at later, but then we get a little older and we go into agreements or contracts or covenants, if you will. These are not so glamorous and as fun as the, as the pinky promise or as the driver's license. This is things like car payments. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A car, car payment. And you go in and you, you will and deal and then you come up with a, a, a plan and then they give you paperwork about this thick, and you go through, and then you're in a, in a contract, you're in agreement, you're going to send them, or they're going to draft out of your bank account a certain amount every month, and you get to have that car, but that's a conditional covenant, or maybe it's a mortgage, you know, as we get grown up, and we buy our first house, or we buy uh, our second house, or in our case, when we bought our house in over Thanksgiving, I can't remember how many now that has been, I guess it's three, but you sign that paperwork, and I go like this because it's about like this. We'll say, well, Mr. Payne, we just have a few more papers, and they 
put like a book on the sign here, initial here, here, go, go, go. And we enter into agreements or covenants. But there are more significant covenants that I want us to talk about and pray about and think about this morning. And these are relational covenants. The first one, of course, is our salvation, our covenant with God. But there's a marriage covenant when we have stood before God and man and we have exchanged vows with each other. That is a covenant. And one of those vows that we need to really remember in, in our lives and that society really needs to remember is till death do us part, right? For better or for worse, till death do us part. And, and I believe God's plan in marriage is that very thing. And when we go into that covenant, we need to remember that and ask God to help us fulfill that. There's a parent-child covenant and a covenant from the child to the parent. There's a covenant with a church family and a church body. When we come into fellowship with our church body, there are things that, that each should do for each other and that commitment that should be there in the body of Christ. And then there's a friendship covenant, being a good friend to those that God has blessed us to have in our Lives. Let's look this morning at the conversation. When I say conversation, the, the talking and the, the narrative that's going on, we find ourselves back in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Just before this, we have seen, and we talked about it last week, we have seen David who went down to the battlefield, right? David who seen Goliath taunting the people of God. David who had holy indignation rise up in him and say, is there not a cause? And then David who goes out before Goliath. David who says, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And David who threw the stone under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that stone hit Goliath in the only place that it could have hit him, only place where the armor was exposed and the Goliath fell to the ground. David then being celebrated as a military hero. David brought before King Saul as David was even holding the head of Goliath. And King Saul wanting to know who this David is. David, a hero. And the Bible says that after Saul talked to David... David had already been playing the harp for Saul, but evidently Saul in his mental state and Saul in the oppressive state of the spirits that would come against him and, and maybe just in his ego hadn't really paid attention to who the, actually that instrument person was, but it had been David all along. But Saul didn't want David to leave the palace after that point. We'll talk some more about the good and the bad of that next week in next week's sermon. But if you look with me, after all of that happened and Saul brings David and says, I want you to stay for good. I don't want you to come and leave anymore just to play the instrument. I want you here for good. We see that a friendship develops. And we'll see 1 Samuel 18 and 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he being Jonathan, because Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Now, this is a powerful scripture. When you first look at that, you just say, oh, they became very fond of each other. They became great friends. And that's beautiful. And that is beautiful. Friendship is a beautiful thing. And we should seek to have friends. And we should seek to be a friend and, and have good relationships. But think about what Jonathan is doing here. 
Jonathan is loving David with his own soul. Who is Jonathan? Jonathan is King Saul's son, right? Who is next in line to be the king when you look legally speaking? It would have been Jonathan. So Jonathan is under Saul because Saul's his dad and Saul's the king. When Saul dies, Jonathan is going to assume the throne. Yet, God has rejected Saul and God has sent Samuel. Remember a couple of weeks ago, he has sent Samuel to anoint David to be the next king. The lineage of the kingship is going to leave Saul's family and it's going to go to David and go into David's family. Jonathan is the one who stands to lose maybe the most out of all of this. Saul has gotten to be king. Saul has already blown it. Jonathan may have thought, I will get my chance. I'll be a better king than my dad. I'll get all the wealth, all the power, all the opportunity that my dad has had. Yet David is going to be the king. So instead of Jonathan looking at David as a rival, instead of Jonathan resenting David because David is going to be the next king and not him, the Bible says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. That's a powerful thought. Jonathan knew that David had been privately anointed king. Jonathan knew that that meant he would never get to be the king. Jonathan then knew that his father Saul begins to hate David because of this. He begins to hate David because the people are celebrating David as a greater military hero than himself. And Jonathan knew what that meant. Yet Jonathan chose to love David as his own soul. And he made a covenant with David. You can read in the chapters that go beyond chapter 18, several of the chapters beyond, we see the story of the love of these two and how Jonathan multiple times had David's back. Jonathan multiple times saved David's life or at least was part of the plan that helped save David's life. Jonathan could have easily been resentful and bitter. Jonathan easily could have tried to help his dad kill David. He could have undermined David. But Jonathan loved David with his own soul. Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jonathan was a true friend. So I ask us this morning in our lives, are we selfish or are we selfless? When we look at others around us in our families, our friends, in our church body, in our communities, our neighbors, as we're dealing with others, are we taking on a selfish mindset or are we like Jonathan who was selfless? Selfless. He put David before himself. He recognized that God had chosen David. He recognized that he was not one to stand in the way of that. He wasn't one to, to try to undermine God. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Jonathan's relationship with God, but his actions lend me, his actions and his reactions lend me to think that he was a man who had a righteous inclination towards God. Let's look at some of the practical applications of all of this. Look with me at 1 Samuel 18, verse 4. 1 Samuel 18, verse 4, and see what happened as they made this covenant with each other. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him 
and gave it to David with his armor and even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now you might look at this at first glance and say, well, what is all of that about? Maybe he's just sharing his clothing. Maybe he realizes David needs some of these things if he's going to live there and be around. But when you dig a little bit deeper and look into those things, the robe, the armor, the sword, the bow, the belt, all of those are symbols of who Jonathan is. They are symbols of his authority, of his position, his robe as the king's son, his armor and sword and bow as someone who is powerful in the king's kingdom. He takes all of those things off and he prefers David over himself and he gives those things to David. John MacArthur said it this way, Jonathan willingly relinquished the outer garments and the instruments that signified his position as prince of Israel. And his position as the heir to the throne. Jonathan was a godly worshiper of Yahweh. He quickly discerned that David was God's anointed. And without reservation offered the robe of succession to the true king of Israel. There have been times in my life where I had my sights set on a certain job or on a certain position. Only to find that someone else was destined To get that job or to have that position. And it's in those times in my life that my integrity has been tested. Will I be selfish or selfless? Do I respect authority? Think about this. Ask ask yourself this. I need to ask myself this from time to time. Do I respect authority? Or do I resent authority? Do I respect authority when I'm in God's house? But then maybe if I'm out in a business someplace or I'm at an an event somewhere and someone has been given some authority to, to be an usher to tell me to sit there and not sit there or tell me to park there but not park there, do I resent that authority? Think about that this morning. What kind of heart do I have towards authority? Do I go into situations maybe and I think, well, how dare they? Who do they think they are to tell me I can't go to that table or or to tell me this on the workplace? Or I've been here longer than they have. Do I respect authority or do I resent authority? Do I respect those in my life that might present as rivals, maybe on the workplace or, or even within the family, that maybe they're achieving something that I've not achieved? Do I re- respect them or do I resent them? The Holy Spirit wants to help us to respect them. The Holy Spirit wants to help us to respect authority. The Holy Spirit wants us to take on and help us to take on a Jonathan-type mindset and attitude where we love others as we love ourselves. Four practical things as we work at, look at practical applications this morning. One is this. We're talking a lot today really about friendship. So one is this. Great friendship requires great commitment. You believe that this morning? If I'm going to be a good friend, then I must be committed to be a good friend. We've all heard the term fair weather friend. That's a friend that shows up when everything's good and everything's fun or when it's convenient for them. But great friendship requires great commitment 
Here's the second one. Great friendship involves great risk. Sometimes I have to take a risk to be someone's friend and to show myself friendly. Jonathan could have looked at David and realized he's going to be the next king. If I become friends with them, will he take care of me? Will he kill me? Will he resent me? Will he see me later as a threat? But we see what happened with this friendship and this covenant that years later when David was king and Jonathan had died on the battlefield with Saul and David had become king and years later David remembered his friendship with Jonathan and he had them bring his crippled son and the family that was left to him to take care of them in the palace. David and Jonathan and that friendship Great friendships, thirdly, reflect great love. The Bible said Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Makes me think about my motives in friendship. Sometimes I have seen people trying to become a friend with someone just because of what it would give them access to. Maybe they have a nice lake house and if I'm their friend, I can be on the boat every weekend or maybe they have a position in a in a business or in a, in a, a, a industry or whatever and if I'm friends with them my relative can get a job whatever it might be but a great friendship reflects great love it's loving that person for who they are and wanting to be in friendship with them so we can have relationship and support and love and care for each other The fourth practical thing is relationships include God. Relationships include God. And while I do feel like that we should try our best to make friendships with unbelievers because that becomes a way to evangelize to them. But those types of friendships do have to have boundaries. Amen? I cannot go with certain friends to where they go. I can't go to the bar hopping with my old friends after becoming a believer in Christ. I can't go carousing with my old friends after becoming a believer in Christ. I don't want to do things like that because my heart and my life has been changed. But certainly I can still be their friend at the right biblical boundaries. But the best of best friendships are those friendships when both people love Christ. And it's just like a marriage. The best of best marriages are when there are three god And the husband and the wife, that triangle. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. And that is a true covenant of friendship and a true covenant of marriage. Let's look at Jesus' example of all of this. As we've gone through this series, and I've I've loved studying about the life of of David, and I thought it was ironic that our bus trip, we, we watched the production about David. I hadn't planned that intentionally, but it was, it was good. It was a good way to supplement the, go along with the series. But as I have ended each sermon of this series, I have tried to look over into the New Testament and see examples from Jesus in the concepts that we have looked at. When we looked at humility and servanthood, and today as we look at friendship, and covenant agreement. So I want to look at a passage this morning from Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. And I want us to look at this concept of covenant. And look at how God has made friendship with us through Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and then that was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Can we stop there just for a moment? We see in the scriptures the Old Testament, the New Testament. Another way of saying that would be the Old Covenant, the Old Agreement, and the New Agreement. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, we see the law. And that's what, what the, Paul is writing about here in Romans, the law. The law pointed out the standard of God. The law showed us what we needed to measure up to. But the problem with the law, the problem with the Old Covenant, the problem with the Old Testament is, yes, we had the law which showed the righteous standard of God, but the law showed you and me how far short we fall of reaching where God wants us to be. And so the law, the Bible said, in a lot of ways, the law killeth, but the Spirit gives life. The law points out our failures. The law shows us how much we need someone to help us beyond ourselves and how far short we fall. The law killeth. And for what the law could not do, what the old covenant could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God saw that. God knew that. He used the old covenant in the Old Testament as a way of a large object lesson, if you will, to show us all and to point us towards the blessed new covenant, the new hope, the new agreement, the new contract that we have through Jesus Christ. So what the law could not do because our flesh was too weak. God did in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He paid the price for our sin and for our righteousness. So the law killeth, but the Spirit of Christ gives life. And so today, you and me can live in this new covenant, in this new arrangement, this new contract. If I can say it this way, this new friendship whereby we can receive Christ into our lives and His righteousness that then becomes on our account and causes us then to be able to fulfill the law because He did it for us. And we can live in that new covenant. Let's read on. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The righteous requirement has been fulfilled in this new covenant, this new arrangement. I ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you experienced this new covenant so that you can have now this new friendship with God? This is Jesus' example to us. Really, it's more than his example. It's his, his price that he paid with his very life for you and for me. Human to human covenants, agreements like the pinky promise, the contracts, all those things we started out with, those are bilateral, meaning each side comes together and makes an agreement. But God's new covenant through his son is unilateral, meaning 
He's done everything. And all he commands of us is to receive it from him. Isn't that a beautiful friendship? Isn't that a beautiful covenant? God initiated this new covenant. God delivered through Christ this new covenant. God confirmed this new covenant with all humanity. God is the giver. We are the receivers. And all that I would, all this world would be recipients of the new covenant through Jesus Christ. There's nothing I can do to add to what he has done. There's nothing I can bring to the table to offer to what he has done. I'm not too good for this agreement. I'm not too bad for this agreement. I'm not too exalted, and I'm not filled with too much guilt. All of those things don't matter. All that matters is what he has done and he has provided in this new covenant. I can come to the table and receive from him. And when I receive that, it changes my life. And then as that passage said, I no longer walk according to the flesh. I walk according to the spirit. And I walk in his righteousness and in his provision. When I receive this new covenant, it changes my life. It changes my lifestyle. And it changes my eternal destiny to live in heaven with him one day. Covenant is a beautiful thing, especially when we think about this covenant, which is the greatest covenant of them all. I land this plane by bringing it back. I know I went all theological there. Let me bring it back to the practical as we land the plane this morning. Our covenant with God through Christ establishes the foundation for all of our other relationships if I'm in right relationship with God, it's going to be a lot easier for me to be in right relationship with you. And it's going to be a lot easier for me to be in right relationship with my family. It's going to be a lot easier for me to be in right relationship with my friends, with my neighbors, with my colleagues, with those in the community, with those I come in contact. The foundation of all of those relationships, practically speaking, rests upon my foundation of my relationship with Christ. The closer I get to him, the more in line and my alignment with him in my life, the better my relationships are going to be as a, as a byproduct of that. Friendship with God and friendship with others. Friendship with God and friendship with others. I have spent now almost three and a half years with this beautiful congregation. Can you believe that I have been here that long? Some of you say, oh, it's only been that long. <laughs> I have spent three and a half years here, and what I have seen are beautiful examples and beautiful pictures of friendship, and I see it all the time, and I commend this church, I commend this congregation, this church body, I see great examples of true, godly friendship, and so I just want to challenge us this morning to keep that going. I want to challenge us as individuals that if there's a relationship in our life that, that needs to get in more alignment to allow God to help us with that, help us with the covenants, the agreements in our lives, help us to be like a Jonathan who loved David with his own soul, regardless of everything else that was going to happen to Jonathan, regardless of what he had to lose, he loved David with his own 
soul. So this morning as we pray, I want us to pray about our friendships. I want us to pray that we'll have strong friendships continue in our church body and our families. I want us to pray about our relationship with our colleagues and our neighbors. I want us to pray about our marriages and our families. And most important, the bedrock of all of that is our relationship with God. I want to do something different this morning. I want to ask you just to kind of feel like we ought to do it this way. Just bow your head with me if you would. Just everybody where you are. I want you to think about the relationships in your life and are they, are they godly? Are they where they should be? Am I the friend that Jonathan was? Or could I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to, to do a little better? How's my marriage? How's my family? How am, how am I doing on the workplace? How am I doing in the community and those around me, my church family, my friends? Most importantly, my God, am I in line with him this morning in my relationship with him? Would you help me pray and would you just pray as individuals? Use this time to to really examine ourselves this morning and let's be more like Jonathan. Lord, we just pray this morning as we've bowed our heads together. Lord, as we have seen a beautiful picture of friendship from Jonathan's life. Lord, as we've seen a beautiful example and even provision of friendship and salvation through the life of Jesus Christ from that powerful set of verses in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. This morning, Lord, I ask you that each one of us in this house would make certain today, if we need to, that, that we have our salvation right with you. That everything is right between you and me. That our sins are forgiven. That Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. And that our relationship is what it should be. Lord, I know that you just don't want us to accept you into our lives and then just go on. You want to be part of our lives. You want to be part of our daily lives. You are our friend every day, every moment of the day. And, and so, Lord, speak to us about our relationship with you and let it be in alignment. And, Lord, then when that's in alignment, Lord, cause it to, to make our marriages stronger. Cause it to make our parenting and grandparenting stronger and more effective and more relational. Lord, let us be the colleagues to those that work with us, those that attend school with us, those that, that are around us throughout the week. Let us be those friends like a Jonathan was who, who puts the other's interest before ourselves, just like Christ put other's interest before himself and humbled himself to the cross. Lord, let our friendships be true. Let us in this church, the bond of unity that is here, let it not be broken, God. Let it not be broken. But Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken, as the old song says. And let us have unity and love and friendship. And, and Lord, let it be the type of friendship that extends out throughout this regions that others can know you and others can know what it's like to be part of a beautiful loving church body and how blessed we are and how blessed they can be lord we pray this morning let us be like jonathan lord let us put our egos aside as we preached about ego last week lord let us cultivate hearts of humility lord as we preached about a few weeks ago lord let us remember this great covenant that we have with you through Jesus Christ, and let us live and walk and rejoice in the new covenant through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
We thank you this morning. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is with us. We thank you for the power of this word. And let it just, let it just have a mature lodging place in our hearts and in our lives this morning. That we would live it out through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 